Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Backyard Poultry with the Chicken Whisperer, brought to you by Tucker Milling. Join Andy Schneider, National Spokesperson for the USDA APHIS Avian Health Program, Editor-in-Chief of Chicken Whisperer Magazine, and author of The Chicken Whisperer's Guide to Keeping Chickens, Chicken Factor Chicken Poop, and Zero Waste Chicken Keeping, as he welcomes top poultry veterinarians, poultry scientists, and poultry nutritionists to discuss the hot topics in the poultry world today and provide science-based, fact-based, study-based information to help you raise the healthiest poultry possible. And now, here's your host, Andy Schneider. Welcome to Backyard Poultry with the Chicken Whisperer, brought to you by our good friends over at Tucker Milling. It is great to be back, let me tell you. I have uh, yearned for this day for uh, for a while now. We've had some shows off and on during my uh, health, uh, my recent health, um, what do we want to call it, um, ins and outs, if you will. But I am doing fantastic. I'm actually feeling uh, about as good, if not better, than I did before July 1st when kind of all of these health issues started. And uh, looking back on it, it, it wasn't, you know, it was because people at church and my wife and I were talking about, wow, what a crazy four months, you know, health-wise. Uh, for the chicken whisper, and then when we sat back and took the you know fifty thousand foot view, we were like, you know, at the end of the day, uh, it was just really three things, and you know, a couple of them were non-issue. Maybe one was a non-issue. The other two, so. Um, but uh, just to kind of catch you up to date, uh, July first, I had triple hernia surgery. That went off without a hitch, no problems at all. Recovered with just Advil, not an issue. That surgery was successful. Um, but then something started brewing, if you will, in my gut. weren't sure what it was. Went to a couple of urologists. They just wanted to give me a pill and say, come back in six weeks. They didn't try to um, investigate further. So that continued to, to, to brew. Uh, bedridden for a while because of that, like three weeks to a month. Um, and then COVID reared its ugly head in our family. All four of us had the uh, Delta variant. Uh, the kids got through that, no problems, literally within about five days. They've had colds worse. Uh, Jen, again, uh, worked through it, fed the animals, all the livestock, everything. Um, she had uh, basically just tired all the time, had some chest congestion and a low-grade fever, got through it. I'd say Jen probably in about two weeks, and she was good to go pretty much back to normal, other than maybe just getting tired a little bit uh, sooner than she should. Um, I really had no problems. I really had no chest congestion. I had a low-grade fever, uh, worked through it, not a big deal. But what was uh, severe dehydration, I had to actually go to the ER and be admitted um, overnight for some severe dehydration. Went to a doc in the box a couple of days before that. They gave me some fluids and some uh, steroids. 
uh, that did that worked maybe for a day and a half. Went back, um, and then and then of course my gut issue was all kind of uh, evolving through all of this. I got over COVID. Everything's done with that, and then this gut issue continued to wreak havoc. Um, and then finally, I had a symptom to add to the other symptoms I was having because I couldn't figure: is it colon? Is it bladder? Is it colon? It was bladder. It ended up being both. Um, and so two weeks ago, actually, I guess it was two weeks ago this past Monday, um, I had uh, a major surgery, and they took a basically at the end of the day, they took a foot of colon out, repaired some other things within my belly uh, that had gone wrong because of the colon issue. And um, I, I mean, I'm telling you what, three hours after having a foot of my colon removed, I'm sitting in the hospital room, and they bring me lasagna. I'm like, whoa, wait a minute here. Is this right, DACA? So it was, it was actually, it was robotically um, using a Da Vinci machine. It was successful. Uh, they fixed everything in, in one surgery instead of two or three like they thought they were going to have to do. Uh, but literally two to three hours after surgery, here comes uh, nutrition with a plate of lasagna and a roll and a salad, all this stuff. Your surgeon says you're on regular diet. So that was amazing. Um, I just stayed basically overnight after having a foot of colon removed and um, uh, went home and then, of course, went through the typical after surgery, after belly surgery soreness. But let me tell you, my day now from the time I wake up to the time I go to bed is about as normal as it could ever be, as it ever, ever has been. I uh, still have just a little bit of soreness when, say, I wear uh, some jeans that are a little bit too tight, maybe with a belt, you know, when I go to church or something. But um, or maybe if I'm in bed and I twist a certain way or, or, or whatnot, you get a little bit of discomfort just based on all the tissue healing inside my belly. But, man, I'm fantastic. Thank you so much for all the cards and the contacts and the texts and the prayers and everything else. Uh, it obviously worked. So four months of just some crazy health issues, and two were kind of a non-issue, but I had this other gut stuff kind of festering in there during the other two issues, and that's what made it the whole four-month ordeal kind of um, drawn out and uh, just miserable, bedridden. I lost 40 pounds. Um which that's, I guess, not such a bad thing. I wish I could have done it more traditionally, but um, I'm, I'm happy for that. And um, so far, I've done a really good job keeping that off, and I intend to. So if you all of a sudden see me like some folks, they're like, oh, my gosh, what happened? Um, I said, hey, well, I lost 40 pounds, but wasn't really like I wanted to, but it happened. So I'm thrilled about that. Hopefully my sound's coming through good. I got a, uh, a headset. I'm going to kind of tell you, um, it's not my headset. It is my son's headset. He's 10 years old. This is an $850 aviation headset um, that was sent to him by, I guess, following in daddy's footsteps. He's 10 years old, and he's starting to get sponsors in aviation. So Lightspeed Aviation uh, sent him their top-of-the-line headset, $850. So I don't know how it works as far as doing a podcast, uh, but I have it set up, and uh, but it works fantastic. It is a top-of-the-line headset regarding aviation and professional aviators, Delta, you know, all those folks. So uh, I'm trying it today. I'll go back and listen to the show and see if it offers any type of improvement in some of the sound quality issues that we've been having. But um, nonetheless, and he's got other sponsors. He's got a he's got a flight bag coming in next week from a new sponsor. Uh, he's got, he's signing a new sponsor up uh, uh, in, in January. Once the new year gets here, um, he's flying planes like crazy at 10 years old, taking weekly lessons. 
He's got, I think, 57 hours now of flight time. He started in January, so he's loving that. But I'm just hoping that I can mooch his uh, <laughs> headset when I do podcasts, especially if I see great improvements with that. Uh, we'll see how that works. But, hey, thank you very much for uh, uh, tuning in today. I appreciate you coming back and listening. Uh, we still have thousands of listeners to the podcast, which is fantastic. This is our 13th year, I think, of broadcasting, over 1,200 episodes that you can go back and listen to. And we got a great show lined up for you today. Today's show is no different. They're all awesome uh, because of the guests we have on. We have fall cleaning and disinfecting with our flocks. Uh, with Dr. Uh, Maurice Pateski. He's a poultry veterinarian out at UC Davis. And I'm going to bring him on in just a second after we go through a commercial break. And what I'm going to try to do, guys, um, as in, as 2002 comes in, I've just signed on another sponsor here for the podcast as, as well, uh, Ralco, which actually um, huge company, uh, huge scientists, uh, development, research and development. And they are creating, um, and I know a lot of you are going to be glad to hear this, uh, Dr. Um, Fox, Jessica Fox, has been writing in the Chicken Whisperer magazine for the last few issues, so you may be familiar with her and uh, talking about some of these all-natural things that they're developing for not only commercial flocks, but also bleeding over to our backyard flocks. Because I know you want to reach out to the all-natural products first in most cases. I get it. Um, and so they are developing science-based years of development um, uh, using, uh, again, say, essential oils. We've talked about this before. And so they've signed on for 2022. Looking forward to that. You'll start hearing their commercial. But what I'm going to try to do here is I'm going to try to run through all the ads right now. So you can go get a pen and paper to take some notes when I bring Dr. Pateski on. That way there won't be another commercial for the rest of the show. I'm going to try to get them all done here. Instead of doing two breaks, I'm just going to do one. You can do a restroom break. You can listen in. You can take notes. Support our sponsors, please, because that's why this show has been going on for 13 years, because of our fantastic sponsors. Most of them have been with us for years and years and years and years, so we thank them. But let me go ahead and get this uh, uh, um, uh, radio show break going, and I'm just going to be a little bit more extended, because I'm going to try to do them all. Then you won't have to worry about another break for the rest of the show. How about that? So stay with us. Get that pen and paper ready to take lots of notes. Do the potty break. Get your snack. Get those chips, uh, and then come on back. And uh, we'll continue with fall cleaning and disinfecting. Man, I'm so happy to be back and broadcasting, let me tell you, and feeling the way I do. It is fantastic. Praise the Lord. We'll see you soon. When you need an incubator, think Brincy, the incubation specialists. Brincy has been a world-leading manufacturer of quality incubators for almost 40 years. They manufacture incubators that hold anywhere from 7 to 380 eggs with high-quality electronic and digital controls, including precise humidity controls and programmable egg turning, all at surprisingly affordable prices. Enter the coupon code WHISPER at checkout and receive 10% off your entire order. Order your new incubator today at Brincy.com. That's B-R-I-N-S-E-A.com. Are you dealing with a stinky coop or brooder? Backyard chicken owners are loving Chick Fresh. Not only does it eliminate the nasty odors, but it also eliminates the dangerous and unhealthy ammonia. You can use Chick Fresh in your coop, brooder, garbage can, litter boxes, and more. Even use it in your spouse's smelly shoes. Get your bottle 15% off today by going to coopcarespecial.com. Take back control and say no to nasty odors.
Ideal Poultry has been a family-owned and operated business since 1937. Their business is built on customer service and quality poultry. From rare white and brown egg layers to broilers, ducks, turkeys, and bantams, Ideal Poultry is the largest supplier of backyard poultry in the United States, shipping close to 5 million chicks annually. Visit them online at IdealPoultry.com. That's IdealPoultry.com. The Yardbird Chicken Plucker takes the hassle out of backyard chicken processing by fully defeathering birds in just 15 seconds. Powered by a 1.5 horsepower electric motor, the Yardbird Chicken Plucker can handle two 8-pound birds at one time, while the built-in irrigation ring keeps your hands free for other butchering tasks. The 20-inch stainless steel drum features 110 rubber plucking fingers that gently remove feathers and dirt without tearing the skin. When butchering is complete, the plucker rinses clean with just soap and water. To learn more or purchase your plucker, visit YardbirdPluckers.com. Metzer Farms is now hatching and shipping the premier egg layer. This girl is consistently laying jumbo eggs with a higher nutrient density and lower water content than your eggs now. She is an extremely hardy bird and the most heat and cold tolerant egg layer available, allowing for year-round outdoor production. An eggshell unmatched in sturdiness and thickness, making cracks a thing of the past. Increase your health and double your egg profits. Of course, we're talking about ducks. Duck eggs are revered by chefs for their succulent flavor and by bakers for being the better baking egg. Learn more about this extraordinary duck, the Golden 300, or any of our other 35-plus breeds of ducks and geese at MetzerFarms.com and order your next flock from us. Since 1921, Stromberg's has been a family-owned and operated business providing quality poultry and poultry supplies to their customers. Today, the Stromberg's family offers over 200 different breeds of poultry, including chickens, waterfowl, and game birds. They also offer poultry supplies for both the beginner and experienced poultry keeper. Stromberg should be on the top of your list when it's time to order your new day-old baby chicks and poultry supplies. Order online today at StrombergsChickens.com. That's StrombergsChickens.com. And now we return to Backyard Poultry with the Chicken Whisperer with your host, Andy Schneider. Alrighty, thank you very much for staying with us today. Also, I want to remind you, American Wood Fibers, longtime sponsor of the show. It's where I got all my shavings for all of my livestock here on the homestead. And you can find those at, it's amazing, at Ingalls. Uh, I know they carry their cedar shavings. I know that Walmart uh, is the main um, carrier. Uh, well, actually, I think that's the only shavings they carry, American Wood Fibers. Um, and so uh, if it's a 40-minute drive to uh, the uh, farm store and you happen to be going through town and there's Walmart right there, slide in there and get you some wood shavings from American Wood Fibers. And uh, they'll be in the pet section, and normally they're on the very, very, very top shelf. And i got to get a whole crew out there to kind of throw them down to me, put them on the pallet, and walk out. So um, that's where you can find American Wood Fiber products and Ingles. I was in Ingles. There they are. Wow. Um, hey, you know what? I haven't done this in a while, and it's 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 time. It is time to do this. So bear with me. You're gonna love it because you always do. Longtime listeners are gonna be like, "Oh my gosh, is it already that time?" Yes, it is. 
43 days, 9 hours, 44 minutes, and 7 seconds until Christmas. You have no idea how hard it is every year, starting really probably back in September, to getting the flock together to do that. It's they 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 get out of whack, their their tune gets off. They it's really really difficult. But and and you know I've been sick, so I haven't really had time. So uh, forgive them if they were really a little bit off tune. But uh, we do have very talented flock here, and uh, though they may not always look forward to doing the Christmas carols. Um, they uh, um, they have to, or they just don't eat. So that's that's the incentive there. <laughs> I gotta love it. Let's get over here to the phone lines, and we'll bring on poultry veterinarian Dr. Maurice Patetti because we're going to be talking about fall cleaning and disinfecting today. Uh, we've covered this in the past somewhat, but everybody has a different take on it, and there's new things and new products that come out, and uh, different theories and, and and all of that. So I'm anxious to hear what we need to do. I personally do a kind of a deep cleaning twice a year, spring and fall. Uh, and now that I'm uh, getting on the mend, then it's, of course, fall time. So it's one of those things I'm going to be able to do here and do. Uh, in fact, actually, we did just did a uh, extensive cleaning probably about a month ago. We had uh, my wife's group. I think it's called Ladies Homesteading Group, LHG. And uh, she had a bunch of them come out and she did a chicken class because I was laid up in the bed, and um, we did a, a, an extensive deep cleaning in our coop really for fall in. That was about a month ago, so actually I don't have to do that because it was done about a month ago, thank goodness. Um, and there's all kinds of different products you can use. Um, I would say Oxine is probably the tried and true over the years that people use uh, to do anything from waterers to feeders to the nest boxes to the coop floor to the roost to all of that. Um, a little bit, say, on the pricey side. But if you're wanting to go out and buy a 50,000-pound bag of mealworms for your chickens for $4.3 million, then this gallon of Oxine is not going to be very much. So um, if, you, if you fall into the, that category or buy a $9,000 coop for your six hens, then the Oxine is not going to seem to be that expensive. But that's kind of the mainstay over the years that we've seen. But um, Maurice, thank you so much for joining us today. We do appreciate it. It's good to have you back. No, it's great to have you back. <laughs> 
Great. Well, it's great to have you back too, Andy. Uh, welcome back. I'm I'm glad you're feeling better. It's very exciting to hear. Yeah, I'm 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 ecstatic because the last four months is not you know 52 years uh, of life, and I have like gone to the ER twice in 52 years. Don't even have a regular wow. doctor. Yeah, don't even have That's a regular doctor. Yeah, you know, if, if anything happens, we drive a quarter mile up the road, a little dock in a box, and, and get seen for, for this, that, or the other, and, and that's it. And all of a sudden, the last four months, it's all like, wait a minute, what's happening? 52 years, and, and the check engine light came on. That's what, I, that's what happened. You turn, 50, <laughs> <laughs> you turn 50 years old, and that check engine light comes on, and then you got to, you know, so, uh, but, but my check engine light is now off, and I hope it stays off for another 53 years so okay, you um, got you got another uh, 90,000 miles before you uh, <laughs> you need to go back in hopefully for uh, you know kind of a, a, a check an oil check that's exactly but, uh, right. seriously really I'm glad to have you back very exciting and uh, just remember these things happen in threes so you already got your threes already taken care of so <laughs> I feel like you're 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 good to go now like I said until until your 90,000 mile check that I'm um, ready for that so yeah, welcome back threes. thank you so much thank you yeah. Well, I'm I'm really happy. It's good. It's good to be here. It's good. Good times. Um, yeah. Also, wanted to wish everyone a happy Veterans Day. So yeah. thank you to all the veterans out there and all those good things. Uh, hopefully, people are having a nice, relaxing holiday break um, and getting some time to spend with their with their loved ones. Uh, it's a good time of year to kind of start uh, getting to hunker down and, and spend time with family. Absolutely. Thanksgiving's um, coming up, and uh, they say this will be the most expensive Thanksgiving uh, to date or in the last ever, however many decades, just because of rising hmm. f- food prices, things like that. So uh, I know a lot of people and hmm. families will be feeling that this year. So, um, But, yeah, enjoy, enjoy your family, uh, definitely, for Thanksgiving, and I'd be blessed you're around to enjoy your family. And, and then the um, Christmas holidays, Hanukkah, um, whatever you celebrate. Uh, do it with family. Absolutely, sir. Yep. Great. Well, um, today we're going to talk a little about sanitation and cleaning and disinfection, and we'll go over what the difference is between the two. Um, But before we did that, I just wanted to kind of mention, you know, obviously a coop is is where your birds live, and uh, the area surrounding the coop is kind of part of their home, and they go outside of that. Um, Typically, they go outside of their coop during the day. So just like we clean up our houses and we vacuum and clean, um, we need to kind of think, you know, what, what's the best way to take care of our chickens? And for backyard or non-commercial birds, that can be a little difficult um, because in the commercial world, there are these kind of breakpoints um, that we often have just as part of the natural life cycle of a flock. So, for example, if you have a broiler flock or a turkey flock or a layer flock, when those birds go off to a processing plant, um, you have no birds in, in these barns, and that's the perfect time to clean and disinfect. Um, and we just don't have those natural breakpoints in backyard birds because, you know, people keep their birds for, for years. I, I get all these uh, amazing emails and phone calls about people that have 10, 11, 12-year-old chickens, which is just incredible to me. Um, and then if one dies and they replace that one, so they've never had it, you know, and they've got four others, so they, they've never had this kind of point in time where they're like, okay, we've got no chickens, let's clean and disinfect everything and, and, and have some downtime, um, and then we'll start over again. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So 
you know, especially when it comes to, to, to that downtime issue, it's, 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 you know, in the commercial poultry world, you'll have a good seven to 10 days where there's just nothing in the barn. And in addition to cleaning and disinfection, it's really nice just to not have any animals in there because um, that's, you know, time and sunlight are, are kind of your best friends when it comes to uh-huh. disinfecting. Um, in the backyard world, we can't do that very well. So you have to kind of create those breakpoints. And uh, I'm on your side, Andy. I, I like the twice a year thing. Um, uh-huh. Should we do more? Should we do less? I don't think there's really a, a strong consensus about that. The only time you really, really want to do something is if you had an outbreak of disease. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and some birds died and some are still alive. So once those birds, the ones that are, are healthy, once they're recovered, that's probably a, a, a sign that you need to clean and disinfect your coop. Um, think about biosecurity and husbandry and fencing and all those things all over again. Um, so, so that's a, a point in time that you would want to consider that. Um, and then when you're just starting, so I, sometimes I'll get emails from people that, that, you know, send me a picture of a coop and uh, that picture will be like, hey, what do you think of this coop? You know, I got it from my neighbors and, you know, I'll look at it and I'll, you know, usually give us a thumbs up and, and maybe make a suggestion or two. But the most important suggestion is um, if you're bringing that into your yard now, you've got to clean and disinfect um, all the surfaces before you bring your flock. Because viruses, uh, bacteria, um, parasites can persist um, on those surfaces. So someone might say, we've never had chickens for the last 10 years. You know, here's this old coop. Just, we, we, we wanted to give it to a family that was going to use it. Great. Awesome. That's great to recycle all those things. Um, but just remember, um, viruses especially can persist for just these amazing amounts of time, especially the the non-enveloped viruses, if, if you want to get even a little more technical, they can just stay there kind of inert for years at a time. So really important to, to think about what breakpoints you're going to kind of integrate into your, into your coop, into your husbandry practices. Sometimes they're kind of forced on you if you have disease. Um, and if they're, hopefully they're not forced on you, but if they're not forced on you, to avoid them from being forced on you, it, it's probably good practice to clean twice a year. And I, I like the fall and the and the spring also. That that seems to be, um, I think, um, probably the most appropriate just from 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 kind of my from my perspective. So in the um, um, you know, in, yeah. in the uh, winter issue of Chicken Whisperer magazine that's coming out probably in the next two weeks, a part of my from the editor um, was about um, ammonia recognition and ammonia control as we get into winter because people um we often think about smelly coops in the hot summer we always smell it you know and, and smelly brooders when we have all the chicks that are in our living room um which which a lot of people do uh in the springtime but uh, when you think about i i would say for most backyard chicken keepers uh, even though we always hear the stories about it's pouring down rain my chickens are outside are they that dumb or you know it's it's you know three below zero and they're out walking in the snow what's the deal but i would say in in most cases in the winter time due to the weather whether it be cold and dreary the shorter days the the snow cold whatever that the chickens are probably spending more time inside the coop which again means more poop inside the coop than normal and you think if the chickens are on that roost for half their life and pretty much they are from till dawn they're in there and that's half their poop um this maybe even more there and so um i did a little uh, snippet 
and from the editor about uh, uh, ammonia, ammonia control, and, and some of the issues. And then I linked to an article that you, you did um, for the magazine, and um, actually uh, Poultry Wire picked that one up, uh, that, that we, you go into a lot more scientific detail about that. And it's just, uh, I wanted to send it out as a reminder, because a lot of people just don't think it like that. Hey, my chickens are going to spend more time in the coop. And so uh, I think that kind of drives my issue of spring and fall, is that in the spring, they've been cooped up more times than not in, in the uh, uh, in the wintertime, for whatever reason, shorter days, colder, snow, wet, and they just spend more time in the coop. Spring, you know, get that all out of there from the wet, from the wintertime, and then kind of the same thing. Fall, I'm getting ready for this wintertime where you're going to spend more time in the coop, but also uh, all the the, the you know, summers just seem to be smelly with flies and things like that. So that's why I like to kind of justify my mind spring uh, and fall. But for those of you who are listening, um, make sure you get a copy of that. And it's free online, the Chicken Whisperer magazine, and, and learn up about ammonia and some of the negative effects of that. Because I think it goes hand in hand with this fall cleaning and disinfecting. And if you just walk in your coop and you're like, smells good to me, but your nose isn't, you know, eight, nine inches from the bedding, like your chicken's beaks are, and you need to get down there and try to smell what they're smelling. If you walk in at six feet tall, five feet tall, and you smell ammonia, imagine what your your birds are experiencing. Now, this is not an ammonia show, but I think it's kind of related. And so if you don't, if people that are listening that don't read the magazine uh, this winter, then here's your reminder uh, about, you know, ammonia control uh, as well. You have to get down on the bird's level and then all the issues that it can cause, the, the foot pad dermatitis and skin issues and uh, blindness and, and um, just tons of problems with that uh, ammonia. So uh, that's kind of related to, and I wanted to share that in case people didn't get the magazine issue about, you know, you need to be checking that on a regular basis. I think it's 25 parts per million can start really having negative effects uh, with your, your, your flocks if memory serves. And, um, but that may be something you don't smell, maybe at six feet high, but you need to get down to where your birds are to see exactly what they're experiencing. So I digress, but I thought that was related and uh, especially cleaning and disinfecting, and as we're getting into wintertime as well. Nope, you're, I agree with uh, 100% of everything you just said. I mean, the, the, the reality is is it, everything links up to each other. So mm-hmm. if you have poor, you know, if you have leaks in your coop, moisture gets in, um, you get increased ammonia um, um, formation, those things can cause welfare issues, corneal ulcers, uh, issues with respiratory tract. It's not good for us. Um, and, and now you're having to kind of go through this cleaning and sanitation cycle even more consistently. So that kind of it dovetails to my next point. You know, have these built-in cycles or these built-in points, fall and spring potentially. Um, but if it's the middle of the wintertime and you've got a strong ammonia smell and your litter is just moist and wet, um, then you probably need to do it again, and you probably need to do some repairs in your coop um, um, it, along with that cleaning and disinfecting. So it, it all ties together and links together. And, you know, I always tell my students, don't be a robot, right? If, if, if I say clean, you know, we should clean in the fall and spring, if it's the middle of winter and your, your coop needs to be cleaned for the reasons we just described, don't be a robot, right? This is where you got to kind of use some logic. So, um, absolutely, 100% agree with everything you, you just said. And, and maintaining a clean coop, that's important for welfare. That's important for egg production. That's important for biosecurity because we don't want any wildlife getting in there. 
Um, all those things all link together. So it, it's kind of a continuum. Um, and good sanitation includes, um, you know, just, just proper cleaning and disinfection. You know, if, if you can do all those things, um, it, it sounds simple, but if you can do that, you've gone a long way to preventing all kinds of diseases from becoming real problems. Um, you've done a great job then when it comes to welfare. Your birds are going to be happier and healthier, all those good things. So, you know, kind of when you think about cleaning and disinfection, you know, just think about some basic scenarios. You know, let's say you had some disease in your flock. Uh, let's say you're borrowing or, or your, your neighbors are, are giving you, um, you know, their, their coop and you need to do a cleaning and, and disinfection. Uh, middle of the winter, you got a leak and you need to clean and disinfect or there was a big storm and there's, there's mud and um, it's kind of wet in there and dirty in there with all the poop and stuff like that because the birds are spending maybe more time indoors as Andy uh, just described. So, you know, the first thing I do, first of all, pick a day that's, that's sunny to, to clean and disinfect um, and, and relatively dry because you're going to be using a lot of, a lot of liquid um, and you want to make sure that everything can kind of dry and sure you can hand dry it, but that's more work. So um, ideally, you know, pick a, pick a good day that's nice and dry, uh, relative with low humidity if possible. Um, and, and then start, you know, with the basics. Remove all your birds and equipment like feeders and waters from the coop that's going to be clean. Um, so, so you can really get in there and, and do things. Um, and then uh, the next thing is probably, in my mind, potentially the most important thing that everyone seems to kind of forget, and it's called dry cleaning. Um, so you want to sweep all of the loose dirt off the ceilings and walls, uh, scrape and remove any poop that's on perches and roosts, um, remove as much of that organic dry material as possible from feeds and feeders. Um, you're just getting rid of all that. And the reason you're doing that is twofold. One is disinfectants do not work on organic material. So they get inactivated by that. So we want to disinfect the surface of the coop and the perches um, and the waters and feeders. If we, we can't disinfect dirt, it doesn't really work that way because there's literally billions and trillions of bacteria um, in just a few grams of that material and you're just disinfecting, uh, you're just inactivating those disinfectants in addition to them um, not being able to really be that effective. So this is where we kind of run into this issue a little. If you have a coop that has a dirt floor, you cannot disinfect dirt. It doesn't work that way. But you can scrape off all the poop, um, and you can put, you know, fresh litter there if necessary. Um, you know, litter management, you can, we can have a whole show on that. But in general, if the, you want that litter material, I like rice holes a lot in California where I live, where, where we, have, we grow a lot of rice. So those rice holes are really absorbent. So you want a litter material um, that's nice and absorbent as opposed to straw or newspaper, which is not absorbent. But when you're cleaning and you've done that dry cleaning, you want to get rid of all that material and get down to, in a perfect world, you know, whatever surface you have there that is, you know, concrete or, you know, whatever kind of hopefully water-resistant type of surface you have. If it's just dirt, that's fine. Um, but just realize that if you, if you just pour bleach on dirt, you're not really going to do anything. It's, it's just going to get inactivated, and you're not going to basically kill what you want to kill. Um, however... Hopefully, especially um, you know, in 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 coops that are that are um, don't have the best ventilation. But in general, you want to have you know four 
to six inches of litter material. So um, whatever type of material you have that's absorbent, like rice holes, you want to have that, that in there. But you're taking that out as part of your dry cleaning process. So you've gotten rid of all of that kind of caked on material. And then you go to wet cleaning. And this is probably what most people are familiar with. Um, it's done in three steps. So soaking is the first one. And you're soaking just heavy, heavily soiled areas like perches and roosting areas and floors. Um, I like using like a low pressure sprayer to soak all the surfaces. Sometimes this can be, and that's just basically like a hose um, when, when you, that you're soaking it with to just to loosen all that accumulated dirt and manure um, so it can be easily removed. And after soaking, then you're doing washing. And now you're washing every surface in the coop where that dirt and dust was accumulated um, after the soaking. Um, you have a lot of different choices when it comes to washing as far as what to wash with, but I just like dish soap with hot water. So 160 degree hot water, because hot water, as we know, kills bacteria. Uh, dish soap, as we know, also kills bacteria. And then I just get a scrub brush and you just, that kind of a moderately stiff brush, you're just going to scrub off all of that material. Um, and, and then the next thing is you really want to kind of just visually inspect everything, right? So um, make sure, just like when you're washing dishes, make sure that, that everything looks nice and clean. And then finally, you're rinsing. So um, you want to get rid of any residues. Um, and then also, you want to make sure you've gotten rid of any puddles that might have formed during that, that, that washing, that soaking, washing, and rinsing. Um, puddles, as we all know, can be breeding ground for mosquito larvae. Mosquito larvae, among other things, can be the primary source of dry pox virus. So you just don't want to get yourself in a situation where, where mosquitoes are, 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 their populations are increasing because those are obviously not um, in our best interest. Um, and in addition, those kind of pooling and puddling areas can be habitat for um, birds and other wildlife rodents go there because they like, you know, they're looking for water. So just make sure don't, don't create a new problem by, by cleaning your coop and having a little kind of ponding. And that's the other advantage of having a nice dry day out there. Some of that water can also just evaporate. So we talked about um, we removed all the birds and the equipment. And, and this is where it's nice to have another pen, um, just almost like an emergency pen. But you can just kind of, you know, kind of put them in a corner and kind of fence off that area. And it's almost like a field trip for, for your chickens for the day. And then we talked about the dry cleaning, which is the part I think a lot of people forget, which is really important, um, and getting rid of all that dust and dander and things like that. Um, and, and next we talked about wet cleaning, which we can break into, into three parts, uh, the soaking, the washing, and the rinsing. Um, and then the next thing is disinfecting. So um, I think sometimes people just like skipping to disinfecting. Um, and, the, and they don't realize like all the steps before that. Um, so this is right after you've done that rinsing. Um, disinfectants, just in the commercial world, they can be apply, applied as uh, sprays or aerosols or even fumigants. Um, but for our purposes, I, I just prefer sprays. So um, there's a couple different choices you have. Um, and there are just different classes of disinfectants. So you have these things called phenolic compounds and that the, the best example of that is pine salt. Um, you have um, iodine, 
um, which is another class of disinfectant. Um, and the best example of that is betadine. And then you have a couple others. Chlorine is another kind of class of disinfectant. Um, so bleach is, is an op option there. And, and finally, or the next two you have, sorry, are uh, quaternary ammonia. And the, the, the best example of that is a product that some people might be familiar with called Rocal-D. Um, and finally, you have these oxidizing compounds. And the, the best example of that is Vircon um, S or Vircon D. Big picture, they all have advantages and disadvantages. Um, when you look in books about like which one kills this virus and which one's good for this type of parasite or this type of bacteria, there are, you know, there's some good research on all those things. That being said, for our purposes, um, my general inclination is to use bleach or pine saw. Um, hmm. So one or the other. Um, and, and that includes your, your, when your, your feeders and waters. So uh, bleach, the active ingredient is chlorine. So um, using about a tablespoon of chlorine bleach per gallon of water gets you to about 200 parts per million, which is what your goal is. Um, but, you know, we all have to clean stuff and disinfect stuff. So if you've got pine salt at home, use pine salt. If you've got bleach at home, use, use bleach. Don't go out and buy Viracon. It's really expensive. It, it comes as a powder. It's nasty stuff. But if you're a commercial producer and you've got Newcastle disease, avian influenza, and you've got to clean your barn out, yep, absolutely, Vircon is great. Um, but, but for our purposes, you know, I, I think that's, a, that's, a, that's a, a little going a little extreme. And, and some of these things, especially when they're in their powder form, um, unless you really know what you're doing, um, you don't want to, to be around those things. They're pretty, they're pretty nasty type things, and you need – all kinds of different respirators if you're really going to do that well. And that goes is also for fumigation. So um, in, in the commercial facilities, not in California because of some environmental rules, but in the commercial facilities, we'll actually um, use a, a fumigant, we'll use formaldehyde to kill um, a lot of the insects that, that kind of persist after a flock has been um, kind of depopulated or gone for processing. Um, and these darkling beetle kind of larvae that, that those fumigants do a really good job of kind of penetrating uh, the litter material that, that, that still might be present um, in those barns. So for our purposes, we don't need to do that. But, you know, like I said, just, just focus on the, the, the simple stuff. So we all probably have some pine salt or some bleach. Make sure the bleach is diluted. Bleach is also pretty nasty stuff. So uh, when, you're, when you're disinfecting, um, you know, you think it's common sense, but, 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 but just to, just to reiterate, make sure you have good ventilation going in there. And if you don't, um, make sure you, you, you seek out, um, appropriate equipment, including ventilators and things like that. So there's some great, um, masks that have filters and, 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 and would be appropriate in that scenario. I think most people probably have some, most people from my experience with their coops have probably better ventilation than they, they potentially need. That goes to kind of one other point, especially as we enter winter. Um, you know, in the summer, you want your coops to have good ventilation. In the winter, you don't want as much water to be able to get in. Um, so, you know, there's all kinds of ways to work around that. It's nice to have a window in your coop. And, and one thing I really like um, that the commercial facilities do that, that you can do in your backyard coop is to have um, the equivalent of a, of a curtain uh, where your window is. Um, so if you can um, uh, um, have uh, tarps 
like where the window normally would be. And when it's hot, the tarp goes up. And when it's cold, the tarp goes down. Um, cold and wet, the tarp goes down. That that allows still a little ventilation, and it also allows, you know, I think um, um, some um, flexibility uh, depending on the weather. And that's that's really important, especially in some climates where it gets really really hot in the summer and, and really really cold in the winter. So after you've um, you've disinfected, um, then it's important to air dry your coop. Um, and open up windows and doors to facilitate that kind of ventilation. Um, so uh, make sure you're, you're air drying everything. You don't want to put birds back in when there's a strong smell of, of pine saw um, or, or bleach or anything. So make sure if you're using the kind of low concentrations that you're suggested to use, you shouldn't have a very strong smell at all. Um, but you want to um, make sure you dry everything thoroughly. Um, and the easiest way to do that is to pick a nice, you know, dry, sunny day to, to do that on. Obviously, you don't always get that, those, those options, but that's really important to think about. Um, so those are kind of the basics. So, um, you know, just to kind of reiterate, number one, remove all your birds and equipment, uh, feeders and waters included. Um, dry clean everything because, remember, these uh, soaps and disinfectants don't work as well. Um, when there's still a lot of organic material on your equipment. Um, and then the wet cleaning, which includes the soaking, the washing, and the rinsing. Uh, next is disinfecting with, you know, kind of the, some of the chemicals that we talked about, but focusing primarily on things like pine salt and bleach. And bleach, remember, at a, at a tablespoon per gallon of water. Um, and finally, that, that drying part. And, and once all that's done, um, then you can start filling up your feeders and waters and, and introducing your, your birds back, back to their, to their coop. Um, the last thing I kind of wanted to mention was when we think about, well, first of all, two things. Um, one thing is, you know, in the backyard poultry world, we take the protocols we use from the commercial world and we try to make a, a square peg fit in a round hole. So, you know, every once in a while, they do line up relatively well. And kind of what I explained to you is what a commercial facility would do for the most part. Um, but it's important just to have, you know, again, we're not robots, and, and you need to kind of have some kind of common sense in there. So, um, you know, sometimes it can be a little challenging if you have dirt floors, for example. You're not going to soak a dirt floor. That, that's not going to help you at all. So when it comes to the wet cleaning, for example, be really thoughtful about what you're soaking or not soaking. You, want, you don't want just a, well, Maurice said um, <laughs> to, to, to soak everything, so I'm soaking my, my dirt now. That's obviously just going to create a big muddy mess. So, again, like some common sense is good there. And also it's really important when you're thinking about wet cleaning and disinfecting um, to think about the material you have. So if you have wood, if your coop is made of wood and it's really porous, that is not a good time to soak the wood and wash the wood with soap and water and rinse the wood and then disinfect the wood because now what you've done is you've, you've the, all the innards of that wood are kind of now wet and moist and that's like the perfect environment for all the stuff that we don't want to grow. So my suggestion is if, if you have, make sure the surfaces are water resistant I really like the latex-based paints. 
So if you're going to have a coop made of wood, that's fine. Just make sure that whatever surface, you know, kind of finish you put on it, that it's water resistant. The latex-based paints are really good at that. Um, I know some people are concerned, and I, I have some people in my lab who've made this point, that the latex-based paints, you know, have some chemicals in them that we don't want the birds eating. But I've never really, I mean, birds will, will munch off of everything, as, as we all know, but I've never anecdotally seen that or heard of that happening. Um, so if, if, you, if you do paint it and the paint kind of, you know, kind of has a nice finish where it, it's not chipping, um, then I think you're fine. But um, it's really important. You got to, you know, repaint and refinish every, every few years before any of that, um, any of those particles of paint and wood start coming off. Because maybe in that scenario, your bird is going to kind of eat some of those, you know, little chips there. And I have concerns about that for all kinds of reasons, just in the general sense. So homes painted in the 1970s and 1960s, and we have all these beautiful Victorian homes in the East Bay of, of California, and there's a lot of lead-based paints there. And, and we've seen lead in eggs in, in backyard mm -hmm. flocks. And mm -hmm. one of the one of the stirs of lead in egg, there's two of them, proximity to refineries is number one, uh, oil refineries, and number two is when your home was painted. So I would 100% believe that, that if you paint your coop and that wood chips eventually because, you know, just wear and tear, um, that the birds will consume uh, whatever those chips are. So just be really thoughtful about refinishing every few years and, and making sure that those, those chips aren't, um, aren't tempting your, your chickens to eat them. Um, so the other thing I wanted to mention is foot baths. Um, so, you know, cleaning your foot baths should not be a twice a year thing. Um, it should be a daily thing. And, and because of that, um, because you have oxygen in your foot bath or you've got bleach in your foot bath, whatever you have in your foot bath, you've got water and some type of disinfectant in there. Um, so some people really actually don't like foot baths because it gives owners almost like this false sense of security where they feel like, oh, I've got the foot bath, and then they tiptoe through there really super quickly, and and their 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 feet barely touch the the material that's in the foot bath, and they go into their coop, right? And they think they're fine. So, um, and then they haven't changed their foot bath for a week or two weeks or whatever. So that's my personality. If I had backyard chickens, I would be the guy that cleans their foot bath twice a year, probably. And at that point, you're just you're just lying to yourself, right? So don't lie to yourself. Just get rid of the foot bath in that scenario, right? And just make sure you put on boots that are dedicated to your coop. But if you are like my brother, for example, or, or someone who's really fastidious, um, in that scenario, absolutely you should have a foot bath because you're going to change it every day. Maybe you slack off every once in a while and you change it every two days. But remember, these disinfectants don't work if there's organic material there. So if you're walking... And, and it's really muddy outside and you've got just a bunch of dirt gunked onto your shoes and then you still go through the foot bath, it's still not going to work. So it's only going to work when you loosen that material off your boots and now you're disinfecting the surface of the boot. And now when you walk in, now you're not carrying whatever viruses and bacteria um, came from your feed store or your neighbors or, or just that was outside of your coop. So if you have a foot bath, that's not a twice a year cleaning thing. That's an everyday thing. And then the thing that I really like that I've seen on a few commercial farms is next to your foot bath, put a bucket with a scrub brush on it. Because 
you can't tiptoe and go 100 miles an hour through the foot bath if you're, you're supposed to put your feet in there and scrub the bottom of both shoes. Like, it's impossible. So right. I've seen <laughs> some farms that, that, that have that scrub brush. You know, it's like a foot-long long scrub brush and a bucket. Long, yeah. Long and with a long handle, brush. yep. And, yeah. and you've got to kind of do some, a little balancing there, but it works. <laughs> and it makes you stand in there for, you know, a good 20 seconds or so. So those people that are always rushing and, and have 100 places to go, I, I understand. I'm, I'm unfortunately one of those people. But even I can't go through there that fast. I've got to, like – and it just makes me realize, like, why I'm, what I'm doing. It's a little more of, a, of an active process other than, like, seeing it as an obstacle toward, uh, you know, whatever you're, you know, whatever you're trying to go, which I think sometimes people view it as, a, as kind of an obstacle. So if, you're, if you have foot baths, just be aware of some of the perils of foot baths. And a lot of this depends on, on, on your personality. It's interesting, just on a quick side note, um, I saw a poster, and I don't think they ever turned it into a paper, unfortunately, but um, I saw a poster that basically suggested that people that practice good biosecurity and good husbandry, it wasn't because they knew more than the people that didn't practice good biosecurity. It was, it was basically the best predictor of it wasn't knowledge. It was your personality. So if you are a fastidious person by nature and you just keep everything clean, you don't have to know that much. Um, and, you know, that the opposite is true also. If you know everything about biosecurity, but your personality is just not that way as far as being fastidious, no matter how much I tell you, you're still going to, you know, kind of be yourself. So, you know, there's obviously some wiggle room at the margins, but I thought that was just a really interesting insight. So when, when you're cleaning, you know, our, our inclination is, is, is to be a little lazy and to cut corners. And, and being aware of that is, is, is probably, you know, important to just to be aware of and to, to really think through. And that's why the last thing I was going to mention is it's always nice when you look at your protocols, just go over it with your significant other or with someone else because they might flag things. They might say, don't soak the floor. The floor is, you know, it's mud, right? And, and sometimes you don't realize that until it's too late. So it's always nice to have someone to kind of bounce your ideas off of and just make sure that there's not an easier way to do it, that, you know, you're, not, you're missing something. So, um, you know, the older I get, the, the more it's, it's really nice to have checklists and it's really nice to bounce ideas off people and see what their kind of deep thoughts are. And every once in a while, you're going to get, you know, a new efficiency there that makes 100% sense that actually improves not only the process, but, but include, you know, gives you a better outcome at the end. Definitely. We, uh, during this talk, we, it reminded me several stories. We had a, a photographer come out to the farm uh, maybe about six months ago. And uh, we had our, not a foot bath, but we have some uh, uh, disinfectant, some spray we do for the bottom of their feet. I think they had a few chickens, maybe six. And she asked what it was because she had a bad experience, uh, I guess, within a month or two of coming to our place where someone had sprayed some, I'm guessing it was bleach on her shoes or something happened. And she got back into her brand new, like $50,000 forerunner, maybe it was, something like that, Toyota. Um, and it just uh, apparently ruined her her uh, carpet in there. So she was like, she's very cautious. What, what are you spraying on my feet? I need to make sure. And I think at the time it was in our, our pump sprayer, it was Lysol or Pine Sol or something like that. I remember visiting um, Ideal Poultry 
who you know ships out six seven million chicks every year maybe the largest hatchery for backyarders and uh, back when i was on tour going through texas and uh you know i go up to their uh hatchery and walk in the office and they come out with a can i think it was lysol can of lysol and i had gotten new boots specifically for this visit i was taking it very seriously i was thinking foot bath or something so i did not have the same boots anyway that i have you know brand new had never been any around any poultry on my end i was doing my part <laughs> but then they come out with a can of mm-hmm. lysol and get the bottoms of them i'm like really lysol yeah yeah that's what we do so um and then I know they've upgraded it at some of their breeding facilities and maybe their hatchery, too, when they were out at Cooptastic a couple of years ago. Um, there was, uh, I think it was Best Sanitizers was out there, and they had this super-duper fancy, I mean, like seven, five, seven thousand dollars uh, foot disinfectant. It's all, I guess, stainless steel. looks like all this metal you'd see in a professional kitchen. You just step up on it, foot, foot, to an uh, air compressor. And it, you hear it, you basically stand up, and maybe a half a second later, it goes, kapish, kapish, <laughs> blows this disinfectant up on the bottom of your feet, and then you c- continue walking. You don't step back, and you walk down. Fancy stuff for, for these professional farms and hatcheries and, and things like that. And uh, so I've seen it all from that long-handled brush and just a Tupperware bin uh, all the way to just a pump sprayer with whatever they choose to use in it to uh, can of all they keep by the door to these $7,000 disinfectant machines that you step up on and and uh, puts this fine mist on, on the bottom of your feet. And we had that in demonstration at Cooptastic a couple of years ago. So anytime anybody was walking into uh, the classroom building, they had to go through this. So it was great use and great learning experience yeah they got that repetition and then of course i'm pretty sure the company that was set up as as a vendor who had that set up made some sales with some other vendors that were there hatcheries and and other folks so um yeah we've used it all now uh, i'll wrap it up with one of my questions is um those different types of disinfectants disinfectants you mentioned where does oxine come into play you didn't mention that and from my experience over the last 12 15 years that always seems to be the go-to, or at least it's the most um, um, one that's recommended that I see as far as a brand or, or a chemical. Well, what's the best thing to clean my coop? Oxine. Someone's always going to say it, and it almost to me, I mean, lack of a better term, from what I've seen, kind of the go-to uh, for just like 12, 13 years. So I'm a little cautious and concerned that you didn't mention it. Is it on the way out? Is there, are there better things? Is it kind of old school now? It's like, oh, that, that used to be the go-to, but now, you know, and then I, I do see a lot of people, even the USDA, when I was working with them for a decade and we were doing biosecurity, they were like sunlight and vinegar, just regular old white vinegar and sunlight and, um, and, and so they, you know, if you want to go the natural approach, and so they, they were, you know, offering that vinegar and, and just water mixture. Um, and then, but, but where does oxine come into play? Because I maybe I need to upgrade my uh, recommendation or, or maybe I need to say, well, it's the go-to because maybe it has been. That's the key word, has been the go-to. Or is, is, is there just better things on the market now in 2021? No, oxine's great. Um, you're absolutely right. I, it's probably... The, the commercial poultry uses it a ton. It's approved for organic um, production, so oxine gets used a lot. It's a little pricier than bleach, mm-hmm. um, yeah. and most people don't have it, so I, I didn't I didn't include it for that reason. Um, but it is, um, you know, it, it, it works 
Um, all of them work against slightly different um, comp- work with slightly different um, um, bacteria and viruses, but for the most part, they kill all the same stuff. When we start getting into some of these non-enveloped viruses, that's when things get a little difficult. So it, when, when people call me up and they say, well, we just had an outbreak of this, what should we be cleaning with? That's when you have to start looking in the literature. But oxygen is very effective. Um, it works against viruses and fungi, bacteria, all those type of things. And it typically, by the organic poultry folks that I've worked with, that they like oxygen in their foot bath. Um, but it's a little more pricey. Um, yeah, yeah. and, um, it, 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 it's not something that typically people have, but it's very safe and, uh, it, it, um, it, it's still commonly used. So that was my oversight. Okay. Um, yeah. Um, and I'm I usually think now. of it more just in my experience, I think of it more just as something to use in foot baths, but I, I know it does get used as a disinfectant. Sorry. Oh, that was okay. I was like, what was People that? Doing some work out <laughs> there. Because I was looking up on my phone, and I know it's on mute right now. I was going to say, it used to be about $30 a gallon, and it looks like uh, Oxine for a gallon is twenty seven thirty nine. Um So about, you know, so yeah, it is it's pricier than bleach. But that I, I, that always gets mentioned, and it's always kind of seemed to be the, the go-to when uh, when I hear of that. So I wanted to let people know about because it, it is more expensive. So, um very, very good. The vinegar well, thing is... I would disagree with a little. Um, mm-hmm. So it's not going to – it's definitely not as effective mm-hmm. as other disinfectants. So mm-hmm. um, I understand why people – you know, ultimately it's the dry cleaning and the wet cleaning and the scrubbing uh, and the soap um, that, that really is kind of, I think, doing most of the work. And then the disinfectant, I think most people are a little agnostic, including myself on. As far as, you know, well, which one disinfectant should I use? And I, I think that's kind of been extended to the use of vinegar, um, where you're basically just using something with a, with a higher pH. Um, and, and you can kill bacteria by, by you know, staying away from neutral um, pHs. Mm-hmm. To me, I, I, I understand why people do that, because they don't want any, you know, kind of scary disinfectants there. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I think if you're going to go through all that effort, and um, I'd, I'd rather use something that has a little more killing power. Yeah, yeah, I, I can agree with that. I would think it was something that we would offer uh, when we would do the webinars for those that wanted to go the more natural route for what you just said. Uh, you know, they always, you know, whether it be treatment or whatever, they go the the all natural route first. What's the most all natural wormer, and then you know, it didn't work, and then they got to go to you know the real deal. Um, and so uh, I think we offered that as as a as a go to for those folks that may have wanted to do that that white vinegar and sunlight you know, sunlight white vinegar and uh, uh, to go that route if they wanted to so um, yeah I like oxine we do Lysol we've done pine saw um, and, and all of our coops and I also I thought about this during the show I don't want this to discourage I guess because I know a lot of people oftentimes when I was doing workshops a lot around the country it would be like you know you have you know maybe some daily spot cleaning that you do some people just every day go in and especially now with and i don't get it because i've never had anybody recommend it but like sand in their coop they put like a, a quarter inch layer of sand on you know over there on the coop floor and they go in every single day maybe a couple of times a day with a cat litter scoop and scoop out the, the poop from it, you know. So, But some people will do daily spot cleaning. Some people maybe every Saturday when they go into whatever refill feeders and waterers and clean those, they'll 
they'll do a cleaning, say, once a week. So not to be, not to let people think that you don't got to do anything for you know, twice a year. Um, that we're talking about twice a year, the, the big, maybe even two-day cleaning where, like Dr. Potesky was saying, put your birds elsewhere for, for a day or two while you get in there and really do that thoroughly cleaning. But nothing is to say you can't kind of get in there and spot clean what you need to daily or weekly or monthly or, or whatever. Twice a year is that big major cleaning um, and disinfecting and spraying. And Oh, and I also wanted to mention this. Please don't, and, and, and you may or may not agree, based on what you've seen out there, but I always just kind of say, please don't take a powerful backpack or handheld leaf blower into your coop to clean it out and, and do the dust. Um, I just, because, you know, <laughs> over the years I've had people that I said, oh, my neighbor complained because I took my leaf blower out to my coop and I was cleaning it out, blowing it out. It got dusty and he's I was flying over to his yard and all this stuff. And I'm like, well, did you wear a mask? No, I didn't wear a mask. And they're in this coop with, with a leaf blower and going everywhere, spreading all that everywhere. And so, I don't know, have you seen that before? I mean, over the years, 12, 15 years of doing this, it's not often, but it seems like at least maybe a couple of times a year, we'll, I'll see someone post or someone will contact me and say, I saw somebody was using a backpack blower to blow out their all the dust out of their coop and clean it out and all this stuff and that just can't be good for your respiratory system <laughs> let alone maybe your neighbors and then i guess like with merrick's <laughs> good point Merrick's disease for merrick's disease for an example that travels in dander that's going everywhere so have you seen that before yeah. have you had folks say can i use my leaf blower have you seen people use a leaf blower and do you just kind of discourage that <laughs> I haven't seen the leaf blower, but my favorite one is someone had a flamethrower that they wanted to use to sterilize their, their dirt pad, um, which oh, I thought okay. was very creative, a very creative use of a flamethrower, and then made me question why someone had a flamethrower. But um, <laughs> I told him I couldn't endorse that, and he had a kind of a, a sad look on his face after I said that, because I... I I, I don't want uh, UC Davis to be sued because I, I told this guy to use a flamethrower. <laughs> we have a lot of wildfires here now, too, if you haven't noticed. So I, I for all kinds of reasons, let's stay away from the flamethrowers. But I, I love that one. That was my, my favorite. That is fantastic. Yeah. I could just see it now in the uh, NBC News. <laughs> Coop fire. Oh, God, yeah. <laughs> Coop fire in Michigan. Well, my, my goal, I tell, I tell myself and my students all the time, we, we want to stay off the front page of the Sacramento Bee. So that's because usually it's not good. Like whatever's on the front page, as we all know, the newspaper, in the, I'd, I'd rather stay in the kind of science news and stuff like that. But, but the front page is not going to be a good place to be. So I, I, I don't want to. Uh, the flamethrower would definitely put me on the front page. <laughs> It's absolutely awesome. I would have to start using that. And it's probably, you know, you should probably refrain from using a flamethrower to clean your coop. Oh, me. Oh, my goodness it gracious. It would be fun research to do to explore how the flamethrower, <laughs> if it killed bacteria and stuff like that. But uh, that would be uh, maybe someday I'll do flamethrower research. Apply for a grant, Dr. Potesky. <laughs> I know, I know. That would be a, a good, uh, that would be a fun grant to write. Yeah, get a, get a military-grade flamethrower with the backpack canisters and this big, you know. Yeah, and, exactly. Uh, and then uh, get build your big fancy coop and get a grant to see if the flamethrower helps with uh, 
with biosecurity. I love it. And then if it works, the next thing you know, we'll have Chicken Whisper brand flamethrowers on sale at at, uh, um, <laughs> at Stromberg's. <laughs> like, hey, get mm-hmm. flamethrower. <laughs> Hey, thanks for coming on today. That's fantastic. I got tears in my eyes. I'm laughing so hard about the flamethrower issue. So um, thank you so much. Great review. Uh, Learned a lot. And hopefully all of our listeners learned a lot. And we look forward to seeing you um, in December, second uh, Thursday in December. We'll wrap up this year's uh, um, shows with you, sir. And uh, we look forward to 2022. So we'll see you in December. Okay. Thanks, Andy. Have a good (laughs) one. Thank you, too. Bye-bye. Bye. If I can push the right button here on the switchboard, there we go. So, uh, yeah, great, fantastic show. Hopefully you learned a lot about cleaning your coop. Tis the season, fall and spring, uh, as I recommended, as um, Dr. Pateski uh, likes as well. So if you haven't already, let's get out there and uh, do a deep cleaning on our coop to get our birds ready for uh, this winter, and then we'll do it again in the spring. And I want to say again, thank you very much for tuning in today. And remember, I just I mentioned earlier in the show, um, the, the, the winter issue of Chicken Whisperer magazine is going to be coming out in the next couple of weeks. You'll be able to see that for free if you subscribe to the digital edition, uh, chickenwhisperermagazine.com, chickenwhisperermagazine.com. Subscribe for free, and we'll email it to you four times a year. If you like a good old uh, magazine, you can sit in your easy chair on a rainy day, open up, take notes, and file, catalog them. Um, we've been um, uh, um, shipping this magazine all over the country for, I think this is our seventh year. I think this, we're, we're entering our seventh year this this uh, spring. Will be our seventh year of printing that magazine, both and and, and the digital mat. The digital has always been free, so it's not a bait and switch. Oh, sign up for the digital, and then you're going to get emails saying, oh, you know, this, your your trial is going to end with the digital, and it's going to be nine ninety five per year to subscribe. Nope. If you subscribed to the digital edition seven years ago, guess what? You're still getting it for free. It's no bait and switch. Uh, and all of our contributors, poultry scientists, poultritionists that write for the magazine. So you don't have this this, this novice blogger saying, hey, this is how I do it. This is how I do it. And this is right. So um, great, great uh, Chicken Whisper uh, magazine. And you can uh, subscribe to that for free. Alrighty, guys. Well, I just want to say I appreciate you tuning in. It's so great to be back. It's such a blessing to be back. And um, we just want to thank you for tuning in. We'll see you next Thursday right here. This has been Backyard Poultry with the Chicken Whisperer, brought to you by Tucker Milling, with your host, Andy Schneider. For more information, find us on the web at chickenwhisperer.com, on Facebook by typing in The Chicken Whisperer, on Twitter at Backyard Poultry, and on Instagram at The Real Chicken Whisperer. Thanks for listening.